Welcome to the show for sinners and sufferers. My name is Cody. Live on a Wednesday night, we are live this time because uh, I didn't have enough time to, to record. It's been a crazy week. There's been lots going on with family stuff and my schedule has been flip turned upside down to quote the Fresh Prince. Um, so but I can always just hit go live and start talking at you and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully this doesn't become too rambly or inane. Um, but I want to I want to talk about music and we're going to do something that we don't do very often, which is engage with some current Christian news drama from the interwebs. Um, but yeah, don't talk about drama very much. Don't love uh, the, the, this trend where every Christian creator needs to have their two, two cents on everything that happens ever. But I thought this would be an interesting piece of drama to, to open up a conversation about art, worship, and the Christian music industry. And, and the drama I'm referring to is that Christian music duo Shane and Shane recently announced an upcoming concert alongside several artists from Bethel Music. And if you're not uh, really into the, the contemporary Christian music scene, you're not chronically online, it's possible none of that meant anything to you that doesn't even sound like news. And that's fair. I felt the same initially. I, I'm not super familiar with Shane and Shane myself, as that's not really my my scene outside of Sundays. I don't spend a lot of time listening to the the Charmin Ultra Soft Rock for use on Sunday mornings kind of genre of music. But uh, a number of people are really upset about this announcement because Shane Squared have, have for some time now been considered one of the good ones by conservative Christians. Uh, the, the first I'd ever heard of them was when they did a video with, with John Piper for Desiring God. So, so they seemingly have, or had at least, some credibility in the conservative Baptist kind of reformed world, um, where Bethel Church in Redding, California, on the other hand, is famous for propagating extremely man-centric theology, they're proponents of the health, wealth, and prosperity, name it and claim it type teaching. They uh, they partake in some very bizarre practices. I've actually been to their church a couple times. I don't like to just cast judgments without investigating for myself, but my personal beef with them that often goes overlooked, I never hear anyone else talk about, is they actually teach something called canotic, canotic, I've never said it out loud, I just read it, canotic Christology, which is a heresy. It's this idea that Jesus wasn't God while he was on earth, which is extremely problematic. We'll talk about that another time. But but anyways, for the, the Shane boys to suddenly be associating with this church on the polar opposite end of the theological spectrum for, for much of the audience they've acquired has a lot of people feeling kind of betrayed. And there's been a, a ton of discussion about whether they are wrong to do this, if there could possibly be some justification, are they now heretics by association? Do we have to stop listening to any music they've ever made? And so on. But that's not really what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is 
the larger problem with the Christian music scene, the industry, that this whole ordeal is really just a fruit of. The thing that this just just highlights the root problem in the Christian worship music industry, which is, is mainly that it exists. That that there is an industry separate from both the church and from the regular real world music industry, whatever you want to call it, uh, is, is problematic. The the church has a rich history of, of being patrons of the, the arts, but that ha- has that history has been, has been mostly lost today. More recently, the way the church has been handling artists is to force musicians to work in the, this bubble, the Christian music industry bubble, where we are placing heavy pastoral expectations on artists at the same time that we expect them to go out and make their living from the world. We want musicians to make art that is not only beautiful, but God-honoring, biblically sound, theologically rich. As well, we expect them to, to act a certain way, look a certain way, sound like this specific kind of narrow church genre of approved instrument sounds. And then we push them out to try and survive selling that to a massively broad audience in a secular world competing against all the best secular musicians in the open market. Historically, the the church has had a much higher understanding of the value of art uh, as worship, not not merely because we are painting pictures of, of Moses or something like that, but because God's glory is expressed in the beauty of his creation. R.C. Sproul, one of my favorite theologians and authors, once wrote, If art is good art, if it is true art, if it is beautiful art, then it is bearing witness to the author of the good, the true, and the beautiful. And, and besides its, its values is worship, um, the church seemed to understand how artists shape the way we see and understand the world, how art shapes culture. Yet this is a front the church recently has largely surrendered to the, to the pagan world. We act often as if being Christian implicitly means fighting culture rather than creating and cultivating culture. We've allowed our, our collective imagination to be shaped by what is not true, good, and, and beautiful. Which I think might be largely the, the fruit of, of sort of a, a defeatist eschatology. But that's a topic for, for another day. I, I think, generally speaking, the, the Western Protestant church today doesn't value art the way that we should. We've almost adopted this new form of, of Gnosticism or, or Docetism, uh, not explicitly saying that anything physical is evil, but, but we certainly don't consider it valuable. But when Romans 8.13 says, put to death the things of the flesh, that doesn't mean denying the physical world. It doesn't mean everything fleshly is in physical is bad. It's about denying our sinful, corrupt desires. Our God is the God of this physical world. He made this world and he called it good. There will be a, a physical resurrection. We don't just spend eternity as ethereal spirit things. Obviously, the, the world, the creation, it is good. It, 
corrupted by sin, but the, the heart of it is good, and we don't need to deny anything physical. We can see in the, the Old Testament how God's temple was an expression of his glory. Every aspect was a reflection of him from that, you know, the shape of rooms, the, uh, the rich furniture, detailed decorations, even the sounds that singers there, like constantly, the smells, the incense. When you, when you walked in, everything about the temple was declaring something about who God is. And we understand this to some level still today. Baptism, communion, these are physical acts, physical representations of a spiritual thing, a way that we, we bring this thing into reality in a way that sounds like, I'm not saying that, I'm <laughs> not promoting transubstantiation, but, but it, it helps us to tangibly realize a spiritual reality when we partake in baptism and communion. It, it brings it into the physical realm in some way for us to engage with. But our churches, we, we make these physical aspects the lowest priority in Sunday mornings when it comes to architecture, sound design, graphic design, the coffee. Those things really fall to the wayside. Those are, those are afterthoughts if we think of them at all. But these are all opportunities to communicate something about who God is to the congregation who enters to to strangers who might enter in and we've kind of been wasting that opportunity we'll be quick to make opportunities for people in the church whose gifts are teaching administration leadership but if someone's gifting and calling is artistic we push them out into the world to to make your way in the world go find support in the world and for musicians to make a living in this open market it, it's a popularity game they need to, to build the widest audience, so they're going to go wide and shallow with their message. Because a faithful Christian who's proclaiming what the Bible teaches is going to rub up against culture, it's going to offend people, and that's not good for sales. Never mind to be theologically defined would mean whittling down a possible Christian audience even, even more to maybe just a single denomination or tradition. But there are churches who are supporting artists, and it's the mega churches, the churches that are, that are often similarly using the same strategy for growth of going wide and shallow, of being man-centric, and they're supporting arts because they see how music draws people into the rest of their cause. It builds their brand. Music and other art draws people together. Just uh, last year, the Discovery put out a documentary that goes through some of the history of Hillsong Church. And, and through doing this, it is revealed that Hillsong openly admits they started throwing resources at music and specifically tailoring the music they produced to draw crowds, to fund the rest of what the church was doing. And they're not the only ones using this, this strategy. There was a, a, a Royce Report article just recently that identified nearly 100% of the top 25 worship songs of the past 10 years have come either directly from or through an artist associated with one of the same four megachurches, Elevation, Hillsong, Passion, or Bethel. Uh, a survey of Southern Baptist churches done just recently by a professor out of Southern Seminary found that 
typically large churches within the denomination with with dedicated music staff, people who it was their job to do music and art, or generally just playing all the same songs from these same four mega churches. We also found a lot of small churches are, are a total toss-up. He describes it as the Wild West that could be doing any mix from just hymns to throwing in maybe a couple mega church songs or some 90s tunes or even the odd secular song for some reason, which is, I find all that very fascinating. But, but my point is these mega churches are dominating the worship music scene because they're the only ones, the only church supporting worship musicians. They're the ones allowing people to use these gifts to pioneer and to strive for excellence in their field. They're the ones platforming and building an audience for them. Meanwhile, the the people who seem to complain the most about the sameness and the shallowness of modern worship music rarely seem to be the same ones who see art as a worthy investment. Instead, we try to make an industry to accomplish what the church should be doing, making art to glorify God. And this whole idea of the Christian music industry, I said from the start, that's kind of the problem. It doesn't even make sense, because if it's really a bunch of Christians, a bunch of Christians come together to try and make art that glorifies God, what do you call that? What do you call a group of Christians who gather for the purpose of glorifying God? A church. We're just making a smaller, weaker, segregated church with no pastoral accountability to handle all the creative stuff. It really should be in our local churches and the larger church body that artists find support. If we keep pushing them out to find support elsewhere, we're going to keep feeling like we're constantly fighting culture, like we're constantly fighting a a culture that's been conditioned by media that that is anti-Christian, that's pushing false narratives about Christianity. Like one of my personal pet peeves is how much media uh, pushes this idea that Satan is Jesus' brother or that Satan is the, the king of hell. These are totally unbiblical, stupid ideas, but so many people believe them, even a lot of Christians, because that's what's in the media. Because we are affected by media, we're affected by the music and the movies, and the things that we consume. But there's no reason that churches can't be singing their own songs, writing their own music. That's probably a better approach. Honestly, you end up with songs that are a lot more specifically meaningful to your congregation to unite around and sing with one voice. And I know in Canada, there are a lot of small rural churches that don't have a single musician but that that might even be in part because we have made it undesirable and untenable to be an artist in those environments artists move to major centers because that's where the support is the opportunities to make a living through their art i think if we're really sick of seeing new music that all sounds the same and is incredibly shallow and we're we're frustrated when Every promising artist that comes up either signs with a mega church or fades into obscurity, we, we need to start treating art as valuable. We need to start practicing uh, patronage of the artists in our communities and supporting them and seeing this is valid. And even the artists who, who create outside of this Sunday morning music genre, I think we need to start viewing and supporting it as missionaries. These are artists who often feel the most alienated by the church. 
but many of these creators in genres like hip hop and punk and rock and metal are being invited into spaces a pastor never would be invited. They have the opportunities to shine a light in a dark place, to speak to people who would never step foot in a church. And the church needs to have the backs of these artists. Some of the, the best music I listen to in terms of original music and lyrical depth and, and deep theology is coming out of these more niche genres where the artists already are relying on a smaller, more passionate audience. So there's, there's less fear in being excluded from the mainstream for being open about their faith. Yet the church often keeps these artists at an arm's length and, and we're losing some of them. I've mentioned it in other videos just recently how a lot of people who had found a home in Mars Hill and the Young Restless Reform Movement are, are not being welcomed into other churches. And, and I truly believe this has had a massive hand in kickstarting this deconstruction movement wave that's sweeping my generation of Christians. One of the, the reasons that I've become so passionate about theology was because I saw a trend, and this is in my notes, so I might get all my dates wrong or my order, but the um, singer of Linkin Park, kind of a punk rock band, uh, committed suicide or, or OD'd. <laughs> I, I don't remember what the official was. Uh, Soundgarden, I think it was, lead singer. Like, guys in this scene. Then there's this metal band called Gideon. Christian guys. I've met them, actually. I've been their stagehand before. Really nice guys. They suddenly say, oh, we're not Christians anymore. Why? They go, oh, yeah, like, we, we had these tough questions, and nobody could answer these questions. Nobody would talk to us. We were out on the road, separate from the church, never heard from the church, and then we'd come home to the church, and the church was so judgmental. Well, how were they ever out on the road without the church being in contact with them, without the church supporting them. Like, these, these guys are, are missionaries. They're bringing the truth and beauty and goodness into dark places, and the church it just leaves them hanging because we don't understand their genre of music. We don't really like it. So uh, no, none of that here, please. And you'll, you'll see the, this trend uh, of someone will be like, oh, we don't want that music in the church. So then the artist goes, oh, okay, well guess I'll go play it in this club. And then all the Christians go, oh, how dare you play in a club? Maybe the answer to a world that seems to be growing increasingly more secular and deranged as massive film studios are vocal about their agendas to just glorify sin, maybe the answer isn't to boycott all art and become even more ascetic and, and to push anything new or different out of the church and leave these people to try and struggle through questions on their own. Maybe it's to create something good, to start shaping and cultivating culture through what is beautiful, true, and good. Well, that's my rant. I'm sorry, it probably wasn't as biblical and theological as people typically expect a like from me. But like I said, it's been a long week. I uh, appreciate those of you who are here live. Uh, you're also shy. I was, I was waiting for someone to say something in the chat so we could have some back and forth. But we'll we'll get we'll get there someday. Once I feel like you guys can can give me some back and forth, we'll, do, we'll start doing more live streams. But for those of you listening after, I appreciate you being here too. It means a lot, especially when you listen all the way 
to the end. And I'd like to hear from you. You can leave a comment on YouTube or shoot me a message on Instagram at Sinner Suffers. You can find all of our links on sinnersandsuffers.com. And I will talk to you later.